0: This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I am Pastor Joe Faldette. We have worship at 9:30 a.m. during the summertime. We can be found online at hosannafreelutheran.com and in podcast format on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app as The Kingdom at Hand. So for our sermon today, we're going to be looking at Christian unification. So it's been actually a a three-part sermon, kind of, as we've been going through Ephesians. We looked at Christian unity, and then Christian diversity, and then now Christian unification. Ephesians 4, verses 13 through 16. They read in Jesus' name. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, Lord, and for the the how. How does this happen? How do, are we united, Lord, and as we come to study it and meditate on it, Lord, we pray that That you'd open our eyes and our hearts to to know what you have for us here, Lord, to apply it into our lives. Father, we pray that you'd sanctify us through your truth as your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, as Christians, you know, to, to quickly go back over Christian unity, as Christians, we are all united because we all have one spirit living within us. You know, we all have one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, Jesus is your Lord. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you're a Christian, the God of the Bible is your God. He is the one that you understand to be over all things. Well, thankfully, he is the one that's over all things, but nevertheless, you acknowledge that. You know, people who aren't Christians, they acknowledge other things as God. But if you're a Christian... We all have these things in common. Nevertheless, that doesn't make us cookie cutter cutouts of each other. We all don't look alike because we've been given different gifts and different passions and different abilities. And we have a we have a calling to use those. And we all have different backgrounds and different opportunities. And within those we are called to be proclaiming the gospel into this world so that the body of Christ can, can grow can both grow up and grow out so that it can become more full as each and every one of us expresses our gifts properly and our tendencies properly. And this is our calling as individuals within this great body of Christ. And so now, as as we are all diverse, how does that bring us back together? Because within our culture nowadays... We're told that, you know, diversity is our strength, right? But that's never explained. The only purpose of diversity is to show the coloration, but then ultimately to create something that is greater than every individual diversity. There needs to be something bigger that exists beyond that. We don't just wallow in our diversity, but we seek to create something that's beautiful out of that. But that is a united whole. And that's something that our culture misses. We celebrate diversity right now, but we're forgetting that that's just a step. You know, it's great to have a whole box full of paints. But if you don't do anything with it, if there's no painting made, what a waste. Within America right now, we're bragging about our box of paints. Instead of looking to create... A culture that's greater and stronger. And that's what we are as Christians too. Within our, all of our individual weirdness. So the goal. The goal of this. This is how Christ wants us to view and to understand our diversity. Is that within our diversity that we would all until. And so we are to all be built up. We are to all be mended. Until we come to a unity of the faith. And no, this is a specific unity. This isn't just any old unity. This isn't a geographic unity. Like, it's not because we all live in southern Minnesota that we're supposed to be united. It's not because we're all, you know, of the same northern European or whatever background. That's not the unity that we're looking for. We're looking for the unity of the faith. And this means that we all as individuals would be believing the same thing, that we would be trusting the same Jesus. Because as we enter into this life, as we work and live in this life, I don't know about you guys, but there's opportunity for doubt. And there's opportunity for confusion. And there's there's opportunity for struggle. At least for me, you know, you guys are probably all beyond that, but... I still doubt, I wonder, I I don't understand. And then I find in myself these times when I'm not trusting Jesus. You know, when I'm listening to the news thinking, Oh God, what's going on? Who's going to fix this? And then it's like, well, who are you trusting? Oh yeah. You know, nobody's got the power in this world to fix this. Except for Jesus who am I trusting? You know, who are we trusting? It's as we interact with each other and discuss these things, we come to learn who we're really trusting. As we're corrected and as we're admonished, as we're pushed forward into that trust, who are we trusting? That we would have the unity of the faith that as I go read the news and I start to worry that someone would come alongside me and say, you know what? Jesus is still God. God. You know, I looked at the fields beginning of spring, and it's like, oh God, what's going to happen? You know, I look at some of these cornfields now, wow, but nevertheless, it's like, what's going to happen? Well, you know what? Jesus is still God. Who are we trusting? Are we trusting our government to bail out people, or are we trusting Jesus to provide? The unity of the faith. And then not just the unity of the faith as in who do we trust, but how then do we live out our lives? Because that's what faith is. We always live out our faith. Always. So that we would all be walking with the same goal, and that would be Christ. And then we would have the unity of knowledge. You know, it's really interesting. Um, As I was looking for pictures for the slideshow, I had a really hard time finding Trees, because for some reason I wanted to have a tree up there. I was having a hard time finding trees that were naturally just grafted together. You know, that doesn't happen in nature. Trees don't just grow together. They kill each other when that happens. But you know what the Christian church is supposed to be? It's not supposed to be natural. It's artificial. Because we have Christ uniting us. And that's a fascinating reality. Because as we're walking in Christ, we then have the unity of the knowledge of Christ. And as I walk with Christ, and I see God answer prayers, I see Christ answer, you know, like, last week, those of you who weren't here, I apologize, you're kind of coming into the middle of a conversation. Last week I was talking about how I was struggling with, you know, this that the jealousy towards that Bishop Barron, and, and what that meant. And as I was Talking about it last week, and I listened to myself on, you know, when I was editing the sermon, I realized that I never really answered the question. But at that point, I didn't have an answer to the question. You know, why was I feeling jealousy? And I, I, I didn't have an answer. And so it was Monday night, I was laying in bed, and the answer just came into my mind. Because I'd been praying about it, I was like, God, I don't understand this. And why was I feeling jealousy towards this person's prestige? And it finally came down to, it's the fact that I know I can be better and that I want to be better. And the jealousy came because people were acknowledging, well, I wanted people to acknowledge my goodness. But I know that that's not satisfying. But why would you want someone to acknowledge yours? Well, then I don't, I don't have to actually go through the hard work of becoming better. I can just get more people thinking I'm better and then I'm better, right? And it's like, no, that's not right. Right? My sin was I was looking for the easy way out. Instead of me, myself, growing. And you know, that's Christ. Christ is the one that brought that to my mind. And so as I struggled through this with my relationship with Jesus, I can now bring that to you all. That God is calling each and every one of us, at least God is calling me, and I'm guessing he's calling all of you too, to become better to become closer with him to walk more truthfully and honestly and humbly before him that's the last song we sang you know if my people would humble themselves and pray that i would walk more humbly with christ trusting him all the more and you know as i do that it always works out and so then i can stand here and tell you that as well knowing that it's always worked out for me So I know it's going to always work out for you. And as you walk in that, you gain that knowledge too. You learn about Jesus and you learn about aspects of Christ. Because as you guys read the scriptures, you see things that I don't see. And then as we interact and talk to each other about this, we grow in the unity of knowledge. Because then we all start to see and know and understand the same things. This isn't just speaking about some confession that we say. This is speaking about our lives. This is speaking about the knowledge that we walk out and that we have had from our own study and that we have had from our walk with Jesus. That's the knowledge. And so if I have this knowledge and I don't share it with you, I get to enjoy it, but it doesn't grow the kingdom. And this is something that we get to do with each other until we all reach the stature of Christ. And you know, this is the idea that you read the Gospels. I've been reading the Gospels recently It's just been amazing to see how Jesus has an answer for every situation. Every situation. Every time people come up to him. To such a degree that they quit questioning him. Because he always had the answer. And it's like, that's where we're supposed to be? Wow. I've got to spend a lot more time talking to Christians. Because I'm not there. You know, and you guys have all of this knowledge and this wisdom. And I need that too, because... You know, a hick farm kid from northern Minnesota. I need to grow because I'm not yet, re- I have not yet reached the stature of Christ. And if you haven't either, well, the body's for you then. This is why we're here. Why? Why does God want us to get to this point? And I broke my rule of having only three sub points, but, you know, I figured we'd walk through these quickly, uh, Lord willing. Can I do anything quickly? Uh, Hasn't happened yet, but we'll try. Um, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be. I'm going to stop right there. So that we may no longer be. What does this mean? This means we are this. If we humble ourselves and really look at ourselves, we'll find these things in ourselves. We'll find these characteristics residing in us. And so our goal is that we would no longer be these things. What are these things? So that we may no longer be children. Wow. I have... God says, you're a child. What is a child? A child is one who has well, no control over themselves. A child is one that something enters into their mind and they do it. Right? Parents? Grandparents? Anybody who's interacted with children? So that we may no longer just be in our Christian walk impulsive. Impulsive. And then Paul goes on to look at that, that we would no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves. Biblically speaking, when you're hit by waves, this is speaking about the difficulties that exist in your lives. So that when a difficulty comes, you don't say, oh no, what's going to happen? God has abandoned me, I'm done. No, that's not true. That's what a child would say. here's the reality, that you would no longer be that, that when the difficulty comes, you might say, all right, God, how are you going to get me through this one? All right, God, how are you going to provide here? All right, God, I'm excited to see you work. Instead of saying, oh, the world's falling apart. Because that's what we do, right? that's what I do. Which is evidence that I'm still a child. Instead of saying, great. God's got a bigger opportunity to show himself strong. And that's the waves. That we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wave that comes along. By every difficulty or hardship or or struggle or trial. That we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by that, but that we would be grounded in Christ and say, let him come. That's what Jesus did. Let him come. This is showing our immaturity when we do that. Something to repent of. Yeah, as I went through this, I got a lot of things to repent of. Um... Wow, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine so that when those, those new teachings come or that, that other teaching that sounds kind of good that we wouldn't just run with it, but that we would be like the Bereans in the book of Acts and that we'd study the word of God to see, is this true? Is this right? Is this real? It's not, it's just, is this exciting? Does this make me feel good? You know, that we wouldn't be looking back into ourselves for truth, but that we would be searching the Word of God so that we would know truth, so that every wind of doctrine, because there's all sorts of winds of doctrine blowing in our lands nowadays. You know, we've got all of these secular doctrines, and then we have all of these Christian denominations with all these various doctrines there. Are we studying the Word of God to see, you know, maybe, maybe covenant theology has something in there. I'm not a covenant theologian. And I don't necessarily adhere to that as the end-all beat-all, but you know, there's some truth to that. Is there truth to the the statement nowadays by Rob Bell that hell is gone? There's no hell? We don't have to worry about it. (laughs) No? (laughs) There's no truth to that. How do we know? Scripture teaches us. But all sorts of people embrace that and they're like, Hey, this is great. I guess I don't have to worry about hell. No, I'm sorry, you do. How about this idea that if you have enough faith that nothing bad will ever happen to you? You know, I'll tell you what, Paul had a lot of faith and he was stoned and he was shipwrecked and, you know, it was, he was in danger by his countrymen and in danger by the Gentiles and he had a lot more faith than I do. And so when that doctrine comes, you can say, yeah, probably not true. That we would be carried about by every wind of doctrine. Well, you know, that sounds good. Well, just because it sounds good doesn't mean anything. Or how about this one? We'll try this one on, si- on for size. The Bible contains the word of God, but the Bible isn't the word of God. We have to figure out where the word of God is in the Bible. All sorts of churches are being led astray by that one right now. In our land, in our community. Well, the, you know, God spoke through these people, but we, we can't trust all of it. You know, that's old. Because God's old. And we're new, and so we got to do new things. It's like, no. That's the wind of doctrine. That shows that you're not walking in Christ, that, that you're not mature. You're a child. Go back to the Bible, so you might know the truth, so you're not carried away by every wind of doctrine. Talk to people who are solid Christians, so that they might guide you in this. This is why we need the body, because believe it or not, I don't know everything that's in the Bible. I don't. And so I need other Christians to help teach me and guide me. I need that. You do too. Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. Now, every wind of doctrine, and now we have this human cunning. What does this mean? Not necessarily speaking about doctrines, but speaking about practices and the ways that people interact with this world. Human cunning is when they take the truth of Scripture and I would hope, unintentionally twist them. As they're lying to themselves, trying to salve their own consciences, they twist them to try to get out of the hardness, the harshness of Scripture. Because Scripture's harsh at times, isn't it? It doesn't deal lightly with our sin. It doesn't deal lightly with sin anywhere. It's harsh, and it's hard, and it's it's abrasive, and it wears me down. Because I can't continue walking in my sin and continue reading the scriptures all at the same time. And if I look at the Bible as being authoritative, I see every time I read the Bible, it's like, Wow, I've got so much room to grow. I've got so much opportunity (laughs) here to become better. There's so many things I need to sacrifice and leave behind. You know, because human cunning says, well, we've got other ways to find purpose and to find satisfaction and to find hope and to find joy. That's why this all this antifoss stuff is going on. That's why these proud boy things are going on. Why are these people doing these things? Why are people almost worshiping President Trump? Why did people almost worship Obama, President Obama? Why? It's because they believe that these people have power and that by following them they'll find purpose. That's human cunning. These people are wrong. They're wrong. They need the truth of scripture. By human cunning. Unintentional error. As people try to twist things in order to fit their own lifestyle. Unintentional error. But not just human cunning. By craftiness in deceitful schemes. There are teachers in this world... That are intentionally malicious. Intentionally leading people astray. They exist. They don't want you to be Christians. They worm their way in. And they are intentionally deceitful. But how do we know? It's by knowing the word of God. It's by being connected with the body. That we would be able to see these things and they wouldn't lead us astray. But we'd be able to look at them and say, that's rotten. That we would be judgmental. Praise God for judgmentalism. Otherwise, you're being led astray by all sorts of stuff. To be able to stand there and say, that's wrong. Because it's human cunning and deceitful scheming that say, well, you can't be judgmental. You can't say that I'm wrong. It's like, well, I can't in and of myself, but the Word of God says that you are. So, congratulations. Here's your sign you're wrong. Because they go against the word of God. Finally. How? How does this happen? We've touched on it a little bit already. But how do we become united in the unity of faith? How do we become united in the knowledge of Christ? How do we become united to the stature of the fullness of Christ? How do we avoid all of these errors and pitfalls? How do we mature? How do we mature? First off, speaking the truth in love. Rather, so instead of being led astray, here's what you do. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. It is by communicating with each other, by living lives with each other. And and this is one of the realities of the Christian church, that if you're not connected to the body you are losing a vast majority of the gifts that God has for you. If you're not interacting with other Christians, you come, like you come, you sit, and you leave. You're not interacting with other Christians. Don't spend any time with Christians. And I'm not saying that Hosanna is the only place to do that by any means. But then live your life with secular friends. You're not going to be getting what Paul's talking about here. You're not going to be getting... What Christ has for you here. Because this comes by speaking the truth in love with other believers. Because that's the context here. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. And so if I'm not interacting with other believers that can speak the truth in love, I'm never going to grow. And if I'm not speaking the truth in love, they're not going to grow. And then, you know what's interesting? As I speak the truth, I grow too. Because I learn more. I become convicted and confronted with these things. I can't stand here and preach to you guys and not apply it to my own life. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't like hypocrisy. Nobody likes hypocrisy. But the Holy Spirit doesn't either. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And you say, you know what, you need to be doing this. And then the Holy Spirit starts saying, you're not doing that either. He does say that. Janet's experienced it too. So I'm glad I'm not the only one here. But then that's an opportunity for growth. For me to become more than the child that I currently am. For me to mature. So as I speak the truth and love, that changes me as well as changing other people. So that we might grow into Christ. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so, how do we become united? How do we grow in this? It's the more that we become like Christ as we're speaking the truth in love, as we're being confronted by our sin, as we're learning about the truths of God and living them out, we become more like Christ. And that doesn't mean that we lose our individuality. That means that we lose our sinful individuality. And so then I lose those tendencies within my personality that are twisted by sin and that exist in error. That exist in error. But they can then be brought into Christ-likeness. Because if you read scripture, have, have you ever heard anyone say, you know, Christ is really confusing? Because, you know, he welcomes the tax collectors and sinners. He eats with them. And he talks about forgiveness and compassion. You know, you're supposed to forgive 70 times 7. That's 490 times. And then we see Jesus waltzing into the temple with a whip and beating people. That's kind of confusing. Why? Because Christ is expressing the fullness of deity. Absolutely every aspect of God is expressed through Christ. I told told the book of Colossians that the fullness of deity dwelt in Christ in bodily form. We're not going to get into that because that's just wild. But Christ expresses all of this. And so within my personality, I'm going to express a small portion of that. Within Beth's personality, she's going to express a small portion of that. Within Mark's personality, he's going to express a portion of that. Because this is, we have been made in God's image, but I am not God. And so I express a portion of the image of God. Christ expressed it all. Does that mean that I get to walk into some of these churches with a whip? We'll see. Um... But then we each uniquely, in the purity of our personalities, having been sanctified, express Christ as a body, and then Christ is revealed through the body in its wholeness, in its purity, rather than being twisted and polluted by the sins that twist and pollute our tendencies and our abilities. Does that make sense? Because that's huge, at least for me. Why am I the way I am? It's because God has made me that way. But does that mean that I get to just be that? No, that means that each and every one of those things needs to be brought into submission to Jesus. Each and every one of those tendencies and personalities that lives within me, for lack of a better word. I don't even know how to better say that. Passions, desires, those things that live within me, they all need to be brought into submission to Jesus. Because in that way, they can then come to reflect Jesus. They need to be sanctified. And the glorious thing about this, that's how we become united. Christ is working this on us right now. Let me read that. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Okay, so there we, have a port, we have a portion in this. I am called to be working properly. And so if there are things in my life that I haven't brought into submission to Jesus yet, that aren't surrendered to him, that aren't sanctified, then I need to do that because that's my job. I am called to do that. As Christ convicts me of sin, I'm called to bring that to the Lord. When each part is working properly, Christ, from whom the whole body, Christ, that's Christ, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This isn't just our job. My job isn't to make all of you united. <laughs> Praise God, That's way beyond me. This is Christ doing it. I am called to be responsible for myself and then live that out you know that I, I love teaching? It's just strange. It's something that just is a passion of mine. That needs to be brought into submission to Jesus. So that it can then be a blessing to everybody else. If that passion is not brought into submission to Jesus, it then becomes a detriment to everybody else. Because it leads them away from Christ. I listened to some of these great teachers who were not submitted to Jesus. And it's like, wow, what they could do if they finally bowed the knee. You know, you see these politicians, these great leaders of men. Think of it like Napoleon or Hitler, you know, and these great leaders of men. I'm not saying that what Hitler did was great, but he was a great leader of men. You know what he needed? He needed to be brought into submission to Jesus so that he could have then led people towards Jesus instead of towards a Holocaust. It's not in his personality itself. It was the twisting of the passions and the gifts that God had given him. He didn't bring these into submission to Jesus. And because he didn't do that, he became a detriment to the kingdom. Because the parts weren't working properly. Does that mean that Christ wasn't working? No, Christ still worked that out. Christ still worked within that. People became saved because of Hitler, which is crazy. But not as many as could have been if he was working properly. But the point is, Christ is working. We are called to work Because Christ is working. If Christ wasn't working, you know what? Give it up. You're going to fail. But if Jesus is working, he can even use my stumbling steps to bless the body that the world might be blessed. This comes as we become one, surrendered to Christ, individually, and uniquely that the body might grow as a whole amen let's pray father we thank you thank you for these warnings as to what not to be lord in in areas and places to repent of lord and i pray that that we would repent of these things that we would humble ourselves before you and acknowledge where we are children lord that we might mature out of that lord and as we Pursue that as, as we bring these passions and these gifts and these desires and these thoughts into submission to you. Lord, we thank you that you are working in us because that's why we're even doing that, Lord, that you are working in us for the sake of your body, Lord, because that's the greatest gift that we can ever experience and that's the greatest gift that we can give to the world and that's the greatest thing that we could ever do. Lord, we thank you for making us a part of you. In Jesus' name, amen.